Rob Bro. He's your sports bro at KKAM.com and the Talk 1340 app. You guys are not doing any pass blocking. You're just stepping aside and letting them walk in. Pop, 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 pop. That's what I want. All of you around that ball. What's wrong with y'all? Don't play like some little girls. Y'all like y'all never played football before. These guys are nothing. You hear me? They please just like we do. Yo, they sweat just like we do. Do you hear me? They went through two days. We went through two days in 110 degree heat. Yo, I want you to hit everything to move. If the ref gets in your way, you hit him. Okay, then let's play. But that's seen us too. That gives us too. This is our team. This is us. Let's go right now. Let's get it off now. Let's go. Show. I am Rob Rowe. I am the host. You are the co-host. Talk 103.9 News Money Sports. You can text into the text line 806-853-712. The uh, 2023 head coaching cycle is now complete with the Arizona Cardinals hiring Jonathan Gannon. Uh, Defensive-minded head coach. And uh, the Chiefs are putting in a call to please hire Eric Bieniemy away from us. We love this guy so much that we wish, we wish he'd be a, a, an offensive coordinator anywhere, literally anywhere else. This guy should be a head coach. Don't be here anymore. That's just what it sounds like. Uh, the head coaching cycle, the Texans have hired D'Amico Ryans, former Texan star, turned uh, 49ers coordinator uh the panthers hired frank reich the colts shane station and the cardinals jonathan gannon and the broncos obviously sean payton after a year away from the game uh, obviously more carousel news going around uh, houston also hired an offensive coordinator not named cliff kingsbury the Ravens hired an offensive coordinator named Tom Todd Todd Munkin uh, from Georgia, uh, the University of Georgia, national champion. Todd Munkin gets the call to the NFL, going to the Baltimore Ravens. Interesting, interesting times in the NFL. Uh, I do wonder if the Cardinals, with a defensive head coach, will give Eric Bieniemy an opportunity. Um, it seems like if you want Kyler Murray to have college success in the NFL, you might go to the guy who's had a uh, seemingly college quarterback at, at in Patrick Mahomes to come over and coach Kyler Murray. Uh, and I know people will bristle that I call Patrick Mahomes a college quarterback, but he is kind of a freewheeling and dealing, uh, son of a gun, college-style quarterback in this NFL landscape. And more and more you see it, uh, you would have called him a system quarterback back in the day, college-style, whatever it is. He improvises, he freestyles, he's outside the pocket. Um, he, he doesn't do a ton by design. Uh, if you need another guy like that who you can rein in, and do what Patrick Mahomes has done and 
really get into the offense that doesn't seem like a bad fit for Eric Bieniemy or the Arizona Cardinals or, frankly, Kyler Murray. Now, uh, attitudes? Will the Eric Bieniemy attitude fit with Kyler Murray's attitude? I don't know. Uh, but it did seem like the Cardinals had the hardest time finding anybody to take that job. Uh, but now you do have the brain drain from the Philadelphia Eagles, as Ryan Hyatt called it in the first hour of the Raiderland today. Uh, lots to replace there as well, which you hate to see. You hate to see. But it is funny, the losing team in the Super Bowl loses both coordinators and the winning team in the Super Bowl uh, retains their coordinators. Uh, interesting. Now, Steve Spagnuolo has been around forever, and this seems like a retirement job for him. I don't know if he even wants to leave anywhere. Uh, you also have the uh, Eric Bieniemy, who seemingly really wants another job, and I do not think he'll ever get a job from the Chiefs, a head coaching job, uh, because if, well. If, he, if history repeats itself, he's not going to because he's interviewed three straight seasons and doesn't have much more than a sniff anywhere else. Um, in this offseason, I think he was only involved in the Colts search. And it just seems like Eric Bieniemy, inside the league circles, doesn't have what it takes to be an NFL head coach. Uh, inside the media circles, he certainly does. People think he's the greatest coach in the world that has not been named to head coach. And we've seen this over the years from guys. Uh, but Eric Bieniemy is still pretty young and awaiting an opportunity. Now, a lot of young guys have been hired. A lot of young guys who don't have the credentials that Eric Bieniemy has don't have the skins on the wall. Uh, but I don't know that NFL front offices – Ascribe uh, any of the offensive success to Eric Bieniemy in legitimacy. A lot of it's ascribed to Patrick Mahomes. I just said how much he goes outside of the system to have success. Andy Reid has been one of the best offensive minds, and you see Andy Reid's fingerprints all over the offense. Is it Eric Bieniemy? They were already doing it before he took over. He just is a play caller. Does he game plan? Can he figure out an offense without Patrick Mahomes? Can he figure out an offense without Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey? Can he figure out an offense uh, without a great offensive line? Uh, all of those issues will follow Eric Bieniemy to his next job, but if you track what Andy Reid has said in the last week, if you track what he said in the last 48 hours, they are begging for the NFL to find a new partner for Eric Bieniemy so they don't have to be stuck with him anymore. It seemed like they wanted to say goodbye to him after the Super Bowl, uh, and they wanted to do it in a positive manner, uh, but it might be a situation where there is a mutual parting uh, from Eric Bieniemy and the Chiefs, but if all of the jobs are filled, uh, it's hard for them to do that. I guess. I don't know why. Now, I do know why. Uh, because they would replace him probably with Matt Nagy, who's already on the uh, staff, and the Twitter mob and the uh, the uh, the NFL machine would not be happy with that. A couple of texts here already. Uh, the Colts presser was a train wreck today. New coach was already crying. 
Uh, that's an emotional staff over there with the Eagles. Uh, Sirianni crying, this guy uh, crying now as the Colts head coach. And why would you fire Sirianni's mentor to hire Sirianni's mentee? That doesn't make any sense. I don't know if mentee is a word, but uh, you basically just got a proxy of Frank Reich back in there. Uh, and then maybe Eric Bieniemy needs to go to the XFL or NCAA to be the head coach. The Colorado tried to hire him two cycles ago, and they he just refused. Didn't want to go down to college. Um, he wants to be in the NFL, and maybe it is an XFL or a USFL job that he has to take. But to go from the Chiefs offensive coordinator down to that, uh, that would be tough. Now, the USFL had a, a, a Super Bowl commercial, and they said professional football returns in two months or whatever. Uh, there's professional football this weekend with the XFL. Uh, I don't think the XFL had a commercial. I, I guess they don't have the money. The Rock could have spotted them, I'm sure. Um, I've seen The Rock be uh, prevalent in a lot of the marketing uh, sleeveless shirts and whatnot, obviously, as The Rock does in the Under Armour branded Rock uniform and XFL uniform. I'm sure they're all wearing Under Armour stuff. Uh, but I will say this, too. Uh, on the XFL, uh, surely The Rock won't insert himself into the proceedings so much as so to be on the field during the game. Uh, I guarantee you The Rock will cut a promo before the first XFL game and be there in person. Uh, to say, finally, the XFL has returned. Guarantee you. Can you smell what the XFL is cooking? We'll, we'll be in there. We will cut a promo. He's great on the mic. It will go way too long. Uh, it will go way over. Uh, he will be reading off his wrist, which is what he does. He's, he's not very good at off script or on script. Um, the XFL sponsored by Hobbs and Shaw, too. Yes, exactly. Uh, I just, I don't know. Uh, what the XFL's involvement is going to be as far as The Rock goes, but I'm sure he will be involved. Uh, it's not like The Rock to sit in the back back seat. <laughs> That's just not his personality. All right, to the text line. Hey, Rob, found some interesting stats to share on this Wednesday, windy Tuesday uh, in West Texas. The Dallas Cowboys are 1-6 versus the Arizona Cardinals since 2008. Uh, don't look any further back than that. Seriously, don't. Love you. Have a fantastic day. Grande Pollo. Love you, too. I did look further back. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys are 56-34 and 34 all-time against the Arizona Cardinals, uh, including a stretch from 1996 all the way back to 1990 where they went undefeated. That's six years. Uh, and then lots of other stretches. They did begin, though, uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, uh, seven, eight, nine, ten, eight, and two against the Cowboys. That was the St. Louis Cardinals. The St. Louis Cardinals began eight and two against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, just Arizona, uh, whether it be the Phoenix Cardinals or the Arizona Cardinals, a much worse record because St. Louis had some success early. All right. Glad we didn't look back further. Uh, with Arizona hiring a defensive-minded head coach, should they go get the best out OC out there and hire Cliff Kingsbury? No-brainer. Uh, interesting. 
Rob, you might have talked about it, but what's your opinion on Dallas Cowboys' new offensive coordinator? You know, uh, the Cowboys went and got a, a bright, shining, young offensive mind and Brian Schottenheimer, who uh, not only stifled Russell Wilson and ended his career in Seattle, uh, but focused on running the ball when they had a dynamic offense in the wings. Uh, they also hired his offensive line coach from that era, uh, Mike McCarthy obviously has a plan, and that's to make the Dallas Cowboys really boring offensively and to let the defense take control of the team. I do not know why Mike McCarthy wants to be fired so quickly, uh, but this is Dan Quinn's football team, and Mike McCarthy is the new offensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys. Brian Schottenheimer is just there to collect paychecks. I'm sure he'll do some game planning, uh, but Mike McCarthy will do the play calling. Do I like it? In the grand scheme of things, no. Do I envision a scenario where this is a good move because the Dallas Cowboys can put Dak Prescott in position to have a successful season because they're doing what he's good at? Yes. Do I trust my analysis that that is what they're doing? No. I don't trust Mike McCarthy. But it makes sense to go run heavy with Dak Prescott in this offensive line and be in a position where you can just throw play action or keep it underneath and throw screens and mesh and uh, drag routes and focus on the tight end because that is what Dak Prescott is good at, not the uh, four vert plays that were called every once in a while with Kellen Moore, even though it, it worked some to an extent. All right, let's take a break when we come back. We will get back to the text line. There's a couple of late overreactions as well to get to on a Tuesday on the Rob Bro Show. Uh, we'll be back after this on Talk 103.9 News, Money Sports. The Rob Rowe Show, Talk 103.9, News Money Sports. My little weather bug says it's raining outside. If that's the case, I don't think it is. But if that's the case, it would be mudding, not raining. It would be disgusting outside if it starts raining. Uh, this super hot take, it says, worthy of Stephen A. Uh, this off the text line. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury and Eric Bieniemy will both be out of the NFL in 2023. Uh, teams will have thought they peaked as coaches. I think there's still a high demand for Cliff Kingsbury. I think if he's out of the NFL, it's because he wants to be out of the NFL for a season. Be um, enemy, that will be the thought, though, uh, that he has peaked. And if if Chiefs players don't like him, there's no reason to have him involved with the Chiefs. Uh, Matt Nagy was a great play caller for Andy Reid before he went to the Bears. And now he's back in the building. I think Cliff Kingsbury could come in. But it's hard to be a bad play caller for Patrick Mahomes. 
And if you want some of that gimmicky design that the Chiefs love so much, go hire Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, with this offensive line, Cliff will run the ball. And there's no reason to think that he wouldn't, really, unless you just hadn't been paying attention. Uh, this from the texter. Hey, Rob, my overreaction from yesterday has come true to the letter so far. Uh, UT was held to less than 68, Texas Tech won, and they won by more than six. Unfortunately, this means we have a blowout loss coming in Morgantown. I'm terribly sorry. Uh, well, you know what? If you could win one. If you could win one of the two, this one was the one to win, uh, and it was a good way to win it. Uh, and again, if you if you just want to go to the postseason, that Texas win was massive. Uh, but the postseason you're talking about is the NIT. Um, if you win out at home, if you beat, uh, let's say, Oklahoma and Norman, but lose to West Virginia and lose to Kansas in Morgantown and Lawrence, I do not think you'll be in the NCAA tournament. You will be a lock for the NIT. Uh, I don't know how many, maybe three went play in the Big 12 championship in the tournament, Big 12 tournament. Play in the championship game and maybe you're sniffing, but it's going to be really, really hard if you lose both of your remaining tough road games. Uh, Even harder, obviously, if you lose three, including that one in Norman. But you have to win out at home. That's TCU and Oklahoma State. Five remaining. Uh, On the road in Morgantown first. Uh, Obviously, we're focused on West Virginia. uh, But you do start looking ahead a little bit. Now, am I happy that uh, Texas Tech has put us in a position, especially after last night, to be talking about the NCAA tournament again? Yes. Uh, Do I think it's a little bit fickle to have zero thought about it a week ago and now like that's all we're talking about? Yes. I think it's a little bit ridiculous, uh, especially after being, you know, berated and laughed at for keeping the faith for so long. Now, I did lose faith about a postseason berth. I did. Uh, At 0-8, 0-9, it was really, really hard to sit here with a straight face and say that I still thought this team was good. Um, And I do not think they're as good as I thought they were early in the year. Obviously, they have not come together uh, quite like I thought they would. Uh, But they have now come together, it seems like. And if Pop Isaacs can come back and play in a role uh, off of Davian Harmon, kind of in what Lamar at Washington was doing, and can play tough defense, and you keep these freshmen in rotation, and Elijah Fisher keeps playing, and Demarion Williams and Kerwin Walton keep their minutes, um, if AMAC and or Bacho can go... A certain amount of minutes. I, I do think you still have a chance uh, to make some noise down the stretch. Uh, and I, I do not think that a strong finish from Mark Adams keeps his job. I think Mark Adams is keeping his job regardless. Uh, I do not think Mark Adams was ever going to get fired. Um, and again, on the floor stuff, I've not been upset with at all. Uh, I thought Baylor was just flat out better than you. We talked about some effort issues late in that game, but that was just a tough loss. Iowa State, that just happens in the Big 12 sometimes. Uh, Other than that, that West Virginia finish was the worst game of the year to me. 
Uh, to lose by 15 to a team that doesn't win on the road at home in what's supposed to be a top three atmosphere in the league was just really brutal. Really brutal. And if you're looking at an opportunity as a get-back, as a get-right, you have to win in Morgantown. And again, it is a very tough place to play. And that's on Saturday. We can talk about it a lot more between now and then. It's just Tuesday. It feels like Thursday. I thought it was Thursday driving up here today. And to celebrate two Super Bowls in a row within 24 hours uh, was just really, really tough on me as a person, you know. Uh, I don't I don't know how all the other Red Raiders are dealing with it, but it was really tough two days in a row to be so successful. Um, it's 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 interesting. It's interesting. Uh, but last night, Davian Harmon again had a huge first half. Uh, his uh, uh, player props have been really easy to peg. O'Banner has gone back and forth, but I hope you hammered it like I told you to yesterday. That was an O'Banner spot. It was a tournament-type game. He shows up for those. Uh, what you have to have is Tournament O'Banner show up in Morgantown. And again, if, turn- if Tournament O'Banner shows up uh, because every game, to be a lock for the NCAA tournament, every game is a must-win. Every game is a must-win from here on out. You have five games left. If you get to 8-10 and ten in conference play on, a, on an absolute heater, I mean, that would be seven in a row, an absolute heater. Uh, LSU and Iowa State also in there as wins. So you have, what is that, at least 10 out of 12, 10 out of the last 12. Now, I, I don't think that will happen. But if it does, if you can string that together, there is no doubt in my mind you would be a tournament team and you wouldn't even be like first four or last four you would be in as an eight or nine seed. The tournament committee would absolutely say, well, golly, uh, because especially for those last five that you've not won yet are quad one games. All right, let's take the break here. I have a few more things I haven't talked about uh, according to the game. Uh, some things I have enjoyed seeing, some things I want to see more of. We had an interesting conversation of what we thought was sustainable at the end of the last hour. I want to continue on that, too, uh, in regards to Texas Tech basketball. We'll be back after this on the Rob Bro Show Talk 103.9 News. Money Sports. Bro Show. I am Rob Bro. Talk 103.9 News, Money, Sports. What do you think is sustainable for Texas Tech basketball moving forward? Obviously, a few things last night were not sustainable, like a team going 0 for 8 to finish a game against you, missing pivotal three pointers, free throws, and otherwise down the stretch to allow you to keep a lead, keep a, a tie, or at least go on a run in response to their run. 
Uh, probably not sustainable. Not every team is going to go ice cold against you, though. I do think you played some pretty good defense and made some good decisions on who to lay off of. Uh, I know, I, I know that Brock Cunningham shoots like 46% going into that game and he made one earlier, but I do not care. They left him wide open late in that game. Making that three-pointer is not in Brock Cunningham's bag, uh, even though he did make one in, in Austin. Shooting into the into the student section is is just not part of his game, and it was a risk, but uh, they were rewarded for it, in my opinion. So what is sustainable? Uh, I think a lot of what Texas Tech did offensively was sustainable. You saw uh, sets being run. You saw... Uh, that high high offense with Fardos Amak running the point, kind of a, after the give from Davian Harmon. Now, Harmon is late on a lot of those, but they still worked uh, and got some opportunities. Now, if you just do the short roll where he rolls off to the free throw line and Davian Harmon gets trapped and you can kind of dump it over him, that's awesome. That allows either the defense to then collapse on AMAC and he can dump it down one more time, or he can take his shovel shot and hopefully hit a good percentage of those. I feel like you could also do that with O'Banner, and he can take the shot. Or both of those guys I'm comfortable with uh, floating back out. I do not know why we've not had that all season long. We have, um, but sometimes David Harmon just dribbles into the trouble and then can't get out of the trouble. He he, it's by design. He's getting trapped there to pass it off, uh, but sometimes he just continues to dribble anyways. Now, he's been much better. I think the spice, the space, the spicing, uh, the spacing has been much better over the last two weeks. After the last week, whatever it is, uh, offensively, I think that spacing can continue uh, if Amac is healthy. If he can play a few more games, now he gets a full week off basically before they go again against West Virginia. Good. Good news. Uh, but beyond that, um, defensive effort, sustainable, man. It's been sustainable over five years, six years uh, at Texas Tech. And I thought it was lacking a lot of times, at least consistently throughout a game. You had it in spurts the entire season. But you've really played two complete games in a row uh, effort-wise, which has been really good to see. And it looks like there's finally some gelling. Gelling that you expect to see around a Maui tournament or whatever else those things are that, that teams play, the multi-team events, uh, the multi-team invitationals there at the in the middle of uh, November, early December. This is the kind of gelling you expect to see from a team. Uh, but with everything going on with Texas State basketball, it didn't seem like they ever gelled until now. Is it too late? Maybe. Are there some issues still surrounding the program? Yes. Uh, is everything fixed? Am I incredibly excited about the opportunity to have uh, whatever's going to happen with this roster and coaching staff in the offseason? No, not really. I would like for them to all stay together because I think that's uh, something that could work out for next year, especially if David Harmon returns for another year and you keep Pop and Lamar and Robert Jennings and add Steffi and then go get five or six uh, you know, transfers coming in to fill out the roster. 
you're still going to have to add a bunch of pieces. Uh, you know, well, Kerwin could return, uh, I guess. And then uh, Elijah Fisher, another body that you definitely want back. Um, it's interesting. Uh, I think talking about the tournament is getting ahead of myself. I'm obviously getting in myself here talking about the offseason too, but I wonder if it matters how the team finishes on who all comes back and how Mark Adams finishes on who all comes back and the vibe of the program, the vibe of the team on who all decides to return minutes played. Can you, can you buy a couple of guys back into the program just by giving them 20 minutes a game across the last month? Um, now, that is good for the future if you're playing guys who are going to be here next year. Uh, but if young guys aren't going to be here, you obviously don't need to play them. Uh, but you've been playing a lot of your young guys, and I, I do hope uh, that you can return a lot of this roster because the only way this season turns into something profitable for Texas Tech, barring a, a lengthy run in any kind of postseason, is if all of these freshmen turn into sophomores. And then all of those sophomores turn into juniors. That is how you build a roster, or at least it's how you used to build a roster. If you can somehow do that in today's day and age and find a, a Keenan Evans, Norris Odiase, Zach Smith, Justin Gray type class to take you through a tumultuous year into the future and, and have four guys stick around, I think this core with added pieces will be, a, I don't know, potentially an Elite Eight team just like that roster was. But you have to be able to complete this year, and I think you do need to finish on a good stretch. Um, and then, you know, who knows what's going to happen? Who knows? Uh, because from everything I've heard going in and out of this season, I don't think anybody knows what potentially could happen or how this could end up. Uh, and I think a lot of it, can be easily rectified uh, with some, you know, good communication. Uh, I think is important as we talk about Valentine's Day uh, to have good communication in all aspects of your life. All right, let's take a break here. When we come back, uh, we'll move on from Texas Tech basketball. Take a look around the Big Twelve. Some games coming up tonight. We'll look at those. Uh, and the Wednesday night game as we try to figure out the standings and what they'll look like heading into Saturday. It's the Rob Rush Show Talk 13.9 News, Money, Sports. Show Talk 103.9 News, Money, Sports. <laughs> oh, man. 
Sometimes doing a solo show, I read things right before the air I don't really want to discuss by myself. Uh, then I just have to kind of bottle it up and move on and try to figure out what else to talk about. Uh, social media. Let's see if I can do this. Social media is an amazing tool that allows a level of interaction never had before between fan and player. Sometimes those lines get blurred. A lot of times you can tag a player. A lot of times you just type their name in and the player searches their name after the game. Uh, And when you go 0-9 in conference play, there's going to be a lot of negative social media interactions about you and your team. It's hard for me to say don't take it personal because as out of the spotlight as I am, uh, I get I get hate comments as well. People uh, will DM me, uh, I hope you have a heart attack. I've had uh, uh, nobody reads this vomit that you put out kind of stuff, comments on my, on my posts, whatever else. Um, so I get it. I get it's tough sometimes. Uh, but you just you have to ignore it. You, you can't let that get into your head. Uh, and I guess you can comment on it after two wins, but you're still three and ten. Um, and I I know there's a lot of discourse inside the Red Raider world on Twitter and otherwise about what it means to be a fan and um how you need to react to a long losing streak and. What you need to do, I, I will encourage everyone uh, to go out and find somewhere to vent that's not on Twitter. I know a lot of people think that Twitter is a place to vent. If you have a lot of negative stuff, find a group chat. Find a group chat and go vent there uh, because a lot players do see all that stuff. And if you don't mean it in the moment, do you know where that stays unless you delete it? It stays on the timeline forever. And what might be just a negative thing in the moment that you don't really mean is going to stay there and a player is going to find it after the game. I don't know. It's a tough conversation because I don't, I don't want anybody to have to censor themselves because a player is going to potentially read it. And a lot of people will say, well, you know, they can, they can deal with it. They've always dealt with it. No, they haven't. Used to the only way you could talk to a player was mailing a letter to the office or, uh, screaming at him from the sideline. Uh, there, There is thousands of ways to contact a player now, and it is just ridiculous the amount of aspects uh, that you can get into a player's life uh, opposing or on your own team. Um, and I think, a lot, I think a lot of it is uh, crazy for opposing players too. I mean, just a brutal beatdown. Could you imagine J.J. Redick and all the abuse he had to take on the floor? If there was also this level of social media when he played, I mean, J.J. Redick might have quit basketball forever. He might have never made it to the NBA. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury was quoted a bunch of times uh, talking about social media, and I talked to him about it before. Uh, no big deal. I interviewed him. But uh, we talked about it, and, and he said basically that he didn't know what he would have been like with social media. 
and the level of intrusion, and he was right before the social media age, uh, well, several years before it really took over, but it's just a, it's an interesting conversation, uh, and there's, you know, some issues going on in the Texas Tech world right now, which is why I brought it up, but it's just interesting, the social media aspect, and when you have uh, players responding to it uh, in a way uh, that makes it look like it wasn't warranted. Now, some of it was. And, and commentary can be commentary. I, I also think, you know, I do have a platform to be in here talking about, and I don't think my voice is more important than anyone else's, but Twitter and, and anybody can start a podcast, and, and Twitter allows everyone to have a voice. And, and I do think that gets muddled sometimes as well. Uh, Rob, last night was a great win for the Red Raiders. All tied at 64. I thought the usual second half lackluster finish was doing them in. Why does it seem Texas Tech are always the poorer offensive team? Um, Because you expect them to be. They weren't last night. Uh, They weren't last night at all. Um, Let's see. They shot 39% from the field. You shot 46.6% from the field. They shot 40% from three. You shot 50% from three. They shot 58% from the free throw line. You shot 92% from the free throw line. Uh, Your biggest lead was 13. Their biggest lead was four. Your biggest scoring run was 10. Their biggest scoring run was 10. Uh, the, The lead changed eight times in the first half. Uh, the times tied four. You tied it in the second half. Uh, you spent 30 minutes with the lead. They spent eight minutes with the lead. Uh, you had five turnovers. They had eight. You scored 36 in the points. They scored 18. You had seven second chance points. They had two. You scored twice uh, off a of fast break. They scored uh, six off a of fast break. Uh, the only thing they outscored you in was the bench points. Uh, so why does it seem like Texas Tech is always the poor offensive team? Because that's what you expect. If your eye test watched that game last night and said Texas Tech was the poor offensive team, your eyes are broken. Your mentality is broken. And I understand it. We just talked about how we've had a negative view of this team for a month. It's kind of hard to flip a switch and just be positive now. Are there a lot of issues still with this Texas Tech basketball team? Yes. Have they won on the road yet? No. Do they have to win on the road this weekend? Yes. But if you always expect Texas Tech to be the poorer offensive team, that's just because that's your expectation of Texas Tech basketball, and it's been that way for five seasons. Even at the height, you expected them to win defensive battles. I mean, that's what you did. You were the 85 Bears. You were really good off uh, defensively. Even last year, you were elite defensively. That's why you were able to go to the Sweet 16. It's not because you had an electric offense. I mean, at times, it felt like Bryson Williams was the only one who knew where the bucket was. But if your mindset is that Texas Tech's always going to be the poor offensive team, that's just because that's what your mindset is. That's how you view the team. Because nothing about last night 
said that Texas Tech was the worst offensive team between Texas and Texas Tech. Namely, the final score, but also the shooting stats and everything else. They went ice cold. What's colder than cold? Ice cold. All right, we'll take the break. uh, And by that, I mean finish the show. The long break. The 24-hour break. The 21-hour break, because we'll be back tomorrow at 11 a.m. High school basketball tonight on Talk 103.9. It is Estacado, the girls, in playoff action. Uh, Pre-game starts at 5.45. Tip-off, 6 o'clock. That'll be a good one. I'll be here on the board. I believe Nick Long will be calling the action. So you can tune in at 6 o'clock tonight for the Estacado girls basketball team as they are in the playoffs. Monterey winning last night. They scored like 1,000 points against Plainview or against Littlefield in Plainview. Against Plainview in Littlefield? Whatever it was. They were signing autographs after the game. It sounded like a fun time. All right. Texas Tech basketball is back. I don't know. I just wanted to say that. We will be back tomorrow at 11 a.m. on the Raiderland. I'm Rob Bro. I've been Rob Bro. I'll be Rob Bro tomorrow. We'll see you then. The views and opinions expressed by the participants on this Talk 1340 program are not necessarily the views of Talk 1340, its advertisers, staff, management, or Town Square Media.